0: Spooksters, and welcome back, or welcome to this month's episode of Listener's Experiences. It is September, so spooky season has kicked off. We've done some fun things this month. I'm just, like, bogarting this intro and not even introducing myself. This is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by the lovely, wonderful Tara. Hey, Spooksters. And this month, we're going to do what we always do on Listener's Experiences, where we're going to read your stories. Mm Mm-hmm. We have, I think, six stories this month. Wow. Lots. Yeah. It is one of those days. Well, we record at night and it's one of those nights where I am tired as hell. Mm-hmm. So because I have to read and I will fall asleep otherwise, I'm just drinking Diet Pepsi because I'm lame. Oh, well, that's okay. But I'm drinking it out of my Captain Marvel's cup and a metal straw because, you know, save the turtles. Visco girl. I don't own a real scrunchie though. Like, <laughs> My scrunchies are just, like, little bands. I don't know why I had to take it out to show Tara. Like, luck. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't have a P.O. box. I was gonna be like, someone send Jessica a scrunchie, but we don't got a P.O. box. So, you know, never mind. JK. Please don't send me scrunchies. <laughs> don't send Jessica a scrunchie? I think send
0: Jessica a scrunchie. Send me a scrunchie and I'll give it to <laughs> Jessica.
1: <laughs> Please no. No, no, no. It's okay.
0: JK. JK. I already feel slightly visco girl because, like, that's just who my life was. Mm-hmm. I mean... And like today, I was wearing my Burks and like my Lion King socks out. A 16 year old told me that I looked cute. So,
1: oh, Lord. Okay. Well, (laughs) well, I'm drinking for us tonight. So that's good. Yes, you are. I've got Stella Rosa red wine, which is a sweet red. So I got that. And then I've got my handy dandy water in my Three Spook Girls mason jar cup. All the drinks.
0: Nice. I also have water in my Oakland Zoo. Hotel that I got when we went. Very nice. Very nice. So let's do business and then we'll get into our story time. Yes, yes. So as always, all of our socials can be found in the show notes below in the link tree. Facebook, Facebook group, Instagram, Twitter, Discord.
1: Yes, we have a room in the Podcast Junkie Discord. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Just fun. I pop in from... I basically pop in when someone tags me because... <laughs> for work I use a very similar format so I'm like ah
1: (laughs) I'm in there all the time so you can come say hi to me you can come say hi to me
0: she is if you tag me or tweet me on twitter I will respond Mm -hmm. I've been doing that lately but um I'm not so clever with the tweets
1: it's okay. It's it's yeah. If you don't tag her, it's usually me. Mm-hmm. But if you tag her, it will be her. Yes. You must tag the Jessica. Yes. <laughs> and
0: I will I will always respond. I love responding. Yes. She's very
1: very you're very good about that. You're very good about that. And if you miss it, I tell you.
0: This is true. Like if she gives me <laughs> about two hours and if I'm not on it on in two hours, she's like, Hey, by the way, this is what happened and I'm like, Oh my god, how did I miss it? <laughs> And then if you want to help support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash 3 or hit the link in the link tree. And anything is amazing. We have levels starting at $1 a month all the way up to, I think, $10. Yes. Every single level has awesome perks. So mm-hmm. definitely check it out. It's great. It's 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 fun. You guys they get their own special content. And if you if you could have only been with us about five minutes ago when we were starting to intro this episode and it just like <laughs> became a dumpster fire of fun for a minute. And the patrons get blooper reels every so often when Tara's accumulated enough of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a good time. Yeah. Okay. So Spooksters get comfy. We're about to tell you some fun stories or spooky stories or however you want to feel about these stories. Yes, yes. Yes. So I'm going to hand it over to my lovely co-host with the most, Tara, and she's going to start.
1: Our first story comes from our friend Cortland. And if you're into Are You Afraid of the Dark, go check out his podcast.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's so fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, lots of fun. So his story. Okay, cool. I've been wanting to send you my listeners' encounters for a while now, but it's been difficult to sit down and put my thoughts together for it. There was something from your podcast that really reminded me of these feelings I had growing up. It was in your episode at the beginning of this year, right after New Year's. It was when you ladies were talking about, for lack of better words, feeling things. This really triggered me to remember how I could also feel things. Bad things? Since I've grown, I no longer get this feeling quite the same way. Perhaps I've just grown into being a cynical old man who's too busy studying the people around me's true motives. But there's a few instances I distinctly remember where this feeling was very prevalent. The first was always in my local arts and crafts store. My mother used to make crafts all the time and sell them. And honestly, some of the true horrors that can only come from an unskilled old lady stitching together dolls or Halloween decorations is phobia-inducing enough. No offense, mom. Love you. (laughs) Aw. Walking the aisles, especially around the fake flowers, I would always get this paralyzing sensation that something horrible had happened there. I have two more similar stories like this, and I'm going to skip the middle and go to the most recent, which was in a corner store I used to live by. It was near the walk-in freezer area. That same paralyzing sensation would sweep over me, and I stopped going to the corner store. Well, a while later when riding the bus home from school, one day there was police cars everywhere in the store's parking lot. At the time, I lived in a small town, so news spread fast. It turns out the owner of the store killed his business partner for cheating on his wife or something and committed the murder, of course, in the walk-in freezer. Damn. Of course. Right? That leaves the middle portion of my life, and something that really gets me sometimes, that paralyzing sensation that would happen, of all places, at my childhood home. It's the home my dad still lives in, so visiting him even today, thinking about it too much, makes the hair stand on the back of my neck. Thankfully, not the full paralyzing sensation I would feel in the past. The feeling would always come from the upstairs, specifically the bathroom up there. I would never go into that bathroom. It creeped me out, and I could never tell why. To this day, I have nightmares about that bathroom. I never knew, and of course, eventually moved out of my father's house in my teenage years. It wasn't until relatively recently that I found out what I think is the cause of my paralyzing sensation from that bathroom. My father owned the house since the early 70s, got it when he was still a teenager, lucky bastard, and when he originally moved in, it was his brother, who's my uncle. Well, my uncle was into some heavy drugs back in the day, and I'm wondering if you know where this is going. One night, he had a friend over, and they were upstairs. I don't know what drugs they got themselves into, but the girl was found the next morning dead in the bathtub of that bathroom upstairs. She had OD'd. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to read my encounter with the paranormal. Love the podcast. Keep up the beautiful work. Cortland. So it's like he could tell people died in places. That's not a fun gift to have. I'm sorry, Cortland, but thank you for sharing your story.
0: Yes, thank you. We appreciate it.
1: Yes, yes. All
0: right, Jess. Okay. This submission comes from an anonymous person, and we've just decided that we're going to call all anonymous people Carl from now on. Yes. <laughs> it's for me, Tara's going to be like, really, Jessica? It comes from an uh, audio sound from TikTok that comes from llamas and hats. Anyone knows what that is? But <laughs> it's this llama, and he goes, Carl, <laughs> you can't do that. It- that kills people, Carl, and so it just sticks in my head every time I think of, like, a a random guy named Carl pops in, so.
1: So all nuns are named Carl. Yep.
0: <laughs> Male or female. Sorry, guys. You don't want to tell us your Sorry. name. You're Carl. Yep. So. <laughs> this comes from an anonymous person, so it comes from Carl. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as early as 2007, I began having night terrors. I want to stop and say I'm really sorry, Carl. That sucks. Mm -hmm. I would wake up screaming no at the top of my lungs in fear. I thought there was nothing I could do to help myself, but I felt I could find a common denominator by journaling. In 2011, I started keeping a dream journal and would write my dreams as soon as I woke up from them, good or bad. I always try to have a dream journal, but I forget to and then I forget my dreams, so... It's not good for me. Yeah, I was in college at the time and I noticed my night tears would only happen in one place. I also noticed certain colors being prevalent in my dream ending in a night tear. Red, white, and gold. Those were my junior high school colors. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long before I could catch it before it would happen, resulting in lucid dreams. That's when I noticed this thing. It started as a lightless, amorphous thing. I would wake up as soon as I saw it. It kept happening, and each time, the black form took more and more shape. It became humanoid, but still without definition. It was tall and imposing, and it seemed to be hidden until it would speak in the dream. It said stop angrily and suddenly choked me in my lucid dream. This is what made me feel I was experiencing something paranormal. I upped my church game, but it still happened. One dream, I saw it again. It had skin now. I had prayed it away in other dreams, but when I saw it this time, the dream ended immediately, as if it didn't want to play that game. I know it sounds crazy assigning it a will of its own, but if it were my will, I'd have stopped it years ago. When this dream ended so abruptly without prayer, I was in my room as I should be, the lights out 3 a.m., eyes open, feeling better. At my bedside in the dark, the figure I just woke up from loomed over me. Oh, I don't like it already. Mm. At my bedside, in the dark, the figure I just woke up from limped over me. I couldn't describe the sheer terror I felt seeing it so vividly so close. Before I could reflexively scream, its unnaturally long bony arm forced a very hot, fleshy hand to my throat and squeezed. I was seemingly dying trying to understand how this was even happening. As it pressed my neck hard into the mattress, I imagined to start the first word of the prayer and it disappeared. Then I woke up for real. It had been a dream inside of a dream. I felt like I was outsmarted by this shithead of a thing. My guard was let down and in what was the most pain-strickenly vivid recreation of reality I had ever dreamed. As upset as I was, I went to the journal, wrote and drew everything I saw, the next time I saw it, it was with a second form. It's growing? There's more people now? Okay, I'm scared
1: for Carl. Yeah, I'm not fucking with this dreaming
0: a dream bullshit. Mm-mm. Yeah, especially its murderous assholeness. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, the next time I saw it, it was with a second form. I could see bone under its yellow skin now, shallowed, empty eye sockets and nose holes. It's Voldemort. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Carl. I didn't mean to make fun of that. I just, that's what popped in my head. I'm sorry.
1: No, but Voldemort's scary. So, <laughs> right,
0: right. Like the way the book writes Voldemort, like versus, you know, movie Voldemort. Mm-hmm. It went on until about 2013. In those six years, I was living like a self centered jerk. I never pursued a real relationship with the God I prayed to, despite it only went away when I said Jesus in the night terrors. Some people might not like hearing that because there are some crappy Christians. I was one of them, so I'm sorry. But if you're experiencing this, you'll try anything. This is what worked for me. I haven't experienced it since. My journal helped me see that it only happened when I stayed at my parents' house. The previous owners of the house loved to play with a Ouija board. See? Mm, I knew it the back of my head, I'm like, somebody unlocked a fucking demon. Mm-hmm. The previous owners of the house loved to play with a Ouija board. I'm not asking anyone to love Jesus, but please don't mess with Ouija boards. It affects more than the users. Mm-hmm. Preach it, Carl. Yep. I found out years later that countless others all over the world experience almost exactly what I experienced. Check out the documentary, The Nightmare, on Netflix. I think it's The Nightmare, and you can find it on Netflix. Okay. The way I said it, it sounded like the title of <laughs> The Nightmare on Netflix. It's like The Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I just wanted to preface. I didn't want people to be at me and be like, I was looking up The Nightmare on Netflix, and it didn't pop up. And I'd be like, <laughs> that's because I didn't pause. So check out the documentary The Nightmare, which is found on Netflix. I can't believe how well it captured my very personal years of terror. Damn. Attached is my best 3 a.m. What? Carl attached
1: a sketch, which I'll post with the social media stuff, because I emailed Carl back and asked if they were okay with me sharing with everybody, and they said yes.
0: Well, Carl, first thing I want to say is I'm really sorry that this happened to you, because this sounded horrible. Yeah. And I know that sometimes I joke throughout this, but a lot of times it's so that I don't freak myself out while reading them. Yeah, I know, I because I caught
1: this one when it originally came in. And I emailed them back, and I was like, oh my God, no, about the dream in a dream thing, because I don't fuck with that kind of shit. Ugh! no 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 Mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm. I know I know we've talked about Ouija boards on here before I personally have growing up in a Christian home my parents were like you know very strict about shit but the one thing that they like repeatedly told me was that like you do not mess with Ouija boards mm-hmm. because they literally are the gateway to hell
1: Yeah, y'all know we don't fuck with Ouija boards. Mm -hmm. And even when I went to uh, Spirit a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Matt was joking with me and he's like, ooh, because we were in like the hocus pocus spooky decor section. Mm hmm. And they had the Ouija board stuff. And he's like, oh, do you want any of that stuff? And I was like, fuck no, I don't. Fuck no. I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. He's like, but there's a blanket. And I'm like, the blanket can stay here. I'm good.
0: Yeah. People have bought me stuff in the past because I'm into like paranormal stuff. I'll be like, here's a Ouija board. And I'm like, yeah, I pray over it and then throw it away. Yeah.
1: No, no, no.
0: That's probably not the proper way to dispose of that shit. But I'm like, I just don't want it in my house or anything that has previously been attached to it uh, yeah no thank you and my husband absolutely is like no if i were to try to walk through the threshold of our house with a ouija board <laughs> my husband would shoot me with an arrow probably <laughs> Damn have a crossbow <laughs> and if you guys if that's something you do i don't mean to bring offense or anything it's just no. that's how i very strongly feel
1: yeah we're just not gonna fuck with it we cool
0: but thank you carl for sharing with
1: us yes thanks carl Our next story is from Laura. Mm. Okay. So her story says, Ever since I was a kid, I've always had a certain relationship with and awareness of the paranormal. So much so that I've had a number of bizarre experiences between my early childhood at my family home, staying at my grandmother's house, and haunted dorms to name a few. My college was well known for a haunted campus, but they tried to bury that story. But today, I'll give you my first introduction to the paranormal. So she titled this Checking In. And uh, sidebar, if you want to send us those other stories, feel free. Mm -hmm. Like any child initially, I never thought much, if any at all, about ghosts or death until I was faced with it. My great-grandmother, grandma of it, passed away when I was five. This was a nasty shock because we used to go visit her just as often as my two other grandmothers. She often had molasses cookies and these old toys I was able to play with. I knew nothing would be the same.
0: Mm, Molasses cookies.
1: I know. That's such a grandma thing. I love it. (laughs) What happened was my great-grandma was having surgery to clean her carotid artery, and she had a stroke. She lost use of one side of her body, I don't remember which, from the initial stroke. However, she had several after that killed her. My mother told me that a few months later, a spiral screening unit was made to catch clots after a carotid artery cleaning. That would have likely saved her from the strokes, but it was a few months too late. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. But I was lucky to know my great-grandma at all. This was my first time coping with loss and a lot of stunned silence at first and then screaming and crying when I realized I wouldn't see her again and I didn't get to say goodbye. As a five-year-old, it's something very hard to grasp and accept, even at the funeral staring down at the shell of your loved one with your mother in your ear telling you to kiss her cheek. No way five-year-old me was doing that. The horrific idea of kissing her corpse aside, even at that age, I knew she was not actually in her body anymore. Fast forward some weeks later, my parents told me we were moving. Where? To my great-grandmother's house. Mm. (laughs) Right? Now, at first, I didn't think anything of this beyond, but her house was so small. You see, at the time, we were living in a spacious apartment in the upstate New York country with beautiful golden views and a garden with plenty of space to play. I love that home, but my parents wanted to own a home in town, and my mom's cousin was willing to sell it to my parents, so they jumped at the chance. Well, we move in and things are okay for a while, but from the very beginning, I was not feeling completely alone. Sometimes it was while eating dinner, playing, watching TV, even sleeping. I felt like I was being watched. If I said anything to my parents, they shrugged it off, of course, saying it was just my imagination, and I shouldn't be so afraid of the familiar house I spent so much time in before. The logical part of my brain told me they were right, but five-year-old me was just scared. I would sometimes play in the den next to the basement, and I would feel like someone was either trying to come through the basement door, or had, and was standing there watching me, despite not seeing anyone. Even as I write this, the same chills and fears of the time hit me again. To be fair, our basement was also scary. My dad had to bend down to walk around because the ceiling was so low and there was vats built into the cement floor. Apparently, a previous owner before my grandmother kept fish there. As a kid, I didn't buy that either. But when I would get scared during the day, I would run into the living room and watch TV with my parents or pester my dad as he puttered around the garage if I felt this presence. At night, I would feel like I was being watched even with the nightlight on. It was a trapped feeling at times because it often felt like someone was sitting on my bed or standing in the doorway. Sometimes this feeling would wake me up in the dead of night, leaving me frozen in fear or obviously just making it hard to even fall asleep. I was tired all the time at school. The worst was one night when I got up and had to use the bathroom and get water. I couldn't wake my mom up to go with me. She just fell back asleep, and I knew better than to try to wake Dad. So I took their flashlight and crept downstairs as to not wake my little sister, who was asleep right across the tiny hall in the small bedroom in her crib. When at the bottom of the stairs, I bolted to the bathroom and locked the door behind me. After that, I turned on every light I could reach in the kitchen to get my water. As I stood there drinking my water, I could have sworn I saw a shadowy figure about my grandma's height in by the basement door where it was dark. I dumped the rest of my water, turned on the light over the stove, turned off the big light in the middle of the kitchen so dad wouldn't yell at me tomorrow, and ran through the small den, through the living room, and up the stairs with my flashlight to my room, where I proceeded to hide under the covers to try to sleep and forget about what just happened. Sometimes I would even sleepwalk and find myself sitting in the couch in the living room in the middle of the night. This would freak me out especially because our living room was next to the stairs, which also had a doorway leading out to the porch. My father eventually sealed that off because we didn't use that door. We stored coats and stuff at the bottom of the stairs there. I would also have nightmares about something coming out from under the living room TV stand in the middle of the night. I would also have nightmares about someone or something breaking into my home through that door at the base of the stairs, or from the basement and coming up the stairs to leer at us, or do other horrible things to me and my family in the middle of the night that I have purged from my memory. My father was Catholic and my mom was slightly religious. She didn't prescribe to much religion until meeting my dad, so neither of them really thought about people sticking around. They just believed you go to heaven or hell. However, I prescribe to Wiccan beliefs. I also believe that people and probably other spirits hang around sometimes for their own reasons, such as unfinished business or sudden death. At this time of year, this activity most happens in the fall and early winter. I now think it could be because of the thinning veil. I mainly chalk up some of the stuff that plagued me to basic childish fears of steep stairs and a fear of the basement. Still, I like to think that some of the stuff I experienced was just my great-grandma checking in on me to see how we were, especially me.
0: Aw. That's really sweet.
1: That is sweet. I like when it's family members just seeing how you're doing, because then it's not as scary.
0: It's true. It's true.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break and give our shout out to our new patrons in the Spookster Club. We have quite a few here this month. We have Jessica V, Mandy, Michelle, Kelly, Kimberly, And we also want to say thank you to Ross for increasing up to $5 and Caitlin for increasing up to $10.
0: Yes, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to hear your name listed along with other patrons, go ahead and go to the link tree below. All levels get amazing perks.
1: Hell yeah. Thank you guys so much.
0: My turn? Mm -hmm. I'm going to read this one. It's from... Now, I hope I'm saying this right because she wrote it phonetically. Chani. Okay. She actually stayed at the Monte Vista. Ooh. First one that ties into an episode. Right? So I was like, wait a second. She's referencing it. Okay. So let's tell Chani's story. Mm-hmm. Chani writes, hi, ladies. My name is Chani. Pronounced. She pronounces Johnny. So last year, my boyfriend and I were driving from Utah to see my family in Arizona. He wanted to stay the night in Flagstaff. We've both lived there before. We were looking to book a hotel and he was like, we can stay at this nice, cozy one or at this haunted one. (laughs) Obviously, I picked the haunted one. Go for you. You're our people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Welcome to the Spookster family. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we check into room 214, which is one of the notoriously haunted ones. The hotel definitely has a shining vibe and they definitely play up the creep factor. Okay, now I really want to go. Right. Now we have to. I know, right? Some of the pictures on the way to the bar would change from normal people to zombie-like dead ones, depending on the angle you look at them. Oh, so they like Spirit of Halloween did up there. It's like Haunted Mansion vibes. Okay. Right. We spent some time in the bar and then we made our way upstairs to go to bed. We fell asleep just fine. And at some point I woke up because I heard knocking at the door. And immediately after my boyfriend asked, what did you say? I hadn't said anything. He said he thought he heard someone whisper in his ear, but wasn't sure what they said. So my guess is that it was the ghost of the bellboy and heard him knock and heard him ask about room service. Anyway, thought you guys might want to hear about it. Also, Flagstaff is high up in the mountains, so not too hot at all. Aw, thanks for the weather tip because I don't like hot places. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it's funny because somebody else commented today basically saying the same thing and was like, go in the spring. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay.
0: I would love to go in the spring. Right. To the Monte Vista in Flagstaff, Arizona. Right. We have another.
1: This is my last story for the episode, but we have another anonymous one. So we're just going to call them Carl Jr. (laughs) Because, you know, this is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to (laughs) work. So Carl Jr. writes, hi. I found your podcast while searching for new things to listen to on my long commute. I listened to a few of your episodes earlier this month, and I need to get this off my chest. I feel like you guys have the right kind of show to listen without writing me off as a schizophrenic immediately. Here it goes Aliens and the Men in Black ruined my damn life. Excuse me? Mm hmm. Okay. I'm here. I'm listening. I know off the bat, this sounds batshit crazy. Let me start by saying I've created this throwaway account just to send this and I need 100% an- uh, anonymity. I can't even say that word, Carl Jr. So yes, you are anonymous.
0: Anonym, an- of an- an- ten- an- Oh, God, now I can't. I was like, I can
1: help her with this word.
0: And then I'm like, fuck that.
1: We're anonymous. We promise. Because they could continue to ruin my life in an entirely different way. I only feel confident enough to share this anonymously because I know how other people have had the same or similar experience and they could never track any of this to any one of us, if not even hundreds of us. It started when I was about four, or that's at least the earliest of my memory. It happened several times over the course of my childhood. We would be driving down a stretch of highway at night, whether it was to or from town and we lived in a very rural area, or it was on road trips, etc. A bright light would appear above us. I remember being so confused as a small child because each time my parents would say things like, Do you see that? What is that? Like they didn't know. I'd tell them, that's the ugly doctors. And they'd laugh like parents do at a child and their wild stories. Then the car would cut off and the men would approach the car. They would take us onto the metal craft that it reassembled inside the cargo plane. We'd land near a very large hangar building and then be taken into one of the hangars. At first, I would be taken into a large glass wall and given candy or toys to play with. My parents would be taken on the other side of the glass while, what I now know as greys, would be moving around my parents, both laid on exam room-type tables. A human, usually a lady, told me to call her Blue. She would play games with me, and when I asked about my parents being in the glass, she would say that they were getting a checkup. These usually only lasted a few hours or two Disney movies long, as long as I got to watch the movies on one of those cool old-school TVs that had a built-in VCR. When it was time to go, Blue would tell me goodbye, and I'd wake up in our car with both of my parents. My dad would crank up the car as if nothing had happened. It was so bizarre. My parents would only ever notice the missing time. They briefly got into the UFO theories when it happened a few more times. They only seemed to remember the car dying without reason and restarting with the time changed. They often didn't even realize the time had actually passed until we got home and they could see the home clocks, which had no reason to reset, were all on a different time than they should be. I would, of course, tell my parents everything that happened, but it didn't match typical UFO abduction stories, so they told me I was listening to them talk about it too much. This was the 80s and before the internet, an ancient alien was on TV 24-7. My mom gave birth to my brother when I was about 7, and the abductions continued and happened at least once or twice a year until she became pregnant. We went three times when she was pregnant. I remember being so concerned that something was wrong with the baby because we were having so many checkups. Blue would calm me down and tell me everything was fine and the greys, she called them doctors, were making sure my mom and the baby would be safe. After my brother was born, they continued. My memories of visits were smaller and smaller for me. I wouldn't remember the lights, the ship, or the arrival. I would only remember bits and pieces like a dream of talking to Blue, seeing my parents, and my baby brother on the tables, the human people buzzing around the room I was in, the little TV, and the movies I watched, only bits and pieces. Blue told me many times as a smaller child that I wouldn't remember her at all one day, and I'd giggle and brush it off as her way of picking with me. When I was about 12, it happened. I was put on the table. Blue held my hand and walked me to the room on the other side of the glass. She told me to relax and that my brother was sick and needed me to be strong for him. I knew what giving blood was and assumed that was what was going to happen. I woke up in our family car with police sirens and the light all around me, My parents had both been shot through the head, though I didn't know at the time. I was pulled from the car so fast and the entire night was a blur of confusion and horror. My brother was gone. I begged the police to find him. He was only five. I knew he must have been alone out there somewhere. I begged the police to check him with the ugly doctors at the big metal building. The police thought I was in shock. The morning after, I spent the night in the police station as my parents had no families that I knew of. Blue picked me up, begged her to tell them about my brother being sick. He was out there and needed us. Blue told the police she would handle it and I was in shock. Once in the car, Blue drove me around the building in the middle of nowhere and I was put into a car with Men in Black. She hugged me and told me it was time to forget her. I never saw her again. The Men in Black drove me to another hangar-like building where I stayed for two years. I underwent extreme brainwashing in an attempt to convince me that what I had seen in my stories were faked. They told me I never had a brother and that my parents had been killed in a highway robbery. They told me I was a ward of the state and that they were a transition between losing my parents and foster care. For two fucking years, I lived in a hangar with strangers and nobody in the world noticed. They were kind, I was educated and treated well, but there was no love, and every day was a constant battle of, are you ready to change your mind? After two years, I showed no signs of changing my story, I was sent to a mental institution and diagnosed schizophrenic. I lived in the institution until I was 17. At 17, I was visited again by the men in black one of whom who had been a constant my entire life, laid out the plan. He told me I could be released if I signed a gag agreement. He explained the repercussion if I ever told another soul about my story, institutionalized or killed. I was given an entire backstory about where I came from, where I was raised, a new name, a new life. I jumped on the opportunity to be free and have a shot at normal life. I'm now married with two kids. My husband knows my parents were murdered, but I never talk about my brother. My brother never even had so much as a missing person poster go up. There isn't even any trace he was born except the scar right under my thigh from where he climbed my mom's dresser, and the entire mirror fell over on him and myself as I sat there on the floor beneath it. I am obsessed with UFO research now, and the impending Area 51 invasion makes me laugh often. I still get a visit about once every two years, usually at work or when I'm home alone from the Men in Black. They check up on me and make sure I'm holding my end of the deal. I get a very large sum of money once a year deposited into my account. My husband thinks it's part of a trust I got after my parents died. I don't have to work and never will, but I can't imagine sitting at home in my thoughts. I never drive at night. Again, my husband thinks it has to do with my parents' murder being a night on the highway. I think I see Blue in a crowd every so often, and I can't watch a single Disney film without thinking about her in that bustling room of people and screens around me. I found a section deep in Reddit a few years ago, and so many people shared similar stories, and though not all had lost relatives, they knew the room and some even knew Blue. They have all come to terms with being deemed crazy, and if the world ever caught wind of this, they'd think I was crazy, and again, my life would be ruined by these gray, ugly doctors and the men in black. The grays, however, they were gentle. They never seemed to have malice, and the people in the room always seemed to respect them. There was always people even seeming to assist the grays in whatever they were doing to my parents on the table. I just hope one day we have clarity and I can know what happened to my brother. I like to imagine he's somebody important, and he was well taken care of by Blue and the men in black. Maybe he became one of them. I hate them, but at least that would mean he's alive. My takeaway here, I guess, listen to your kids. Listen to their friends. It's not always imagination. My school friends believed in my gray, ugly doctor stories, or at least they seemed to. Why couldn't adults? The end. That was intense. Right? Well, thank you, Carl Jr. Yes. Well, I think you got our last
0: story for the evening, yes? I do. It's from Mandy. All right. This is Mandy's story. I grew up in, I think it's going to be pronounced Tuckawilla, Washington. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I think it's Tuckawilla.
1: This sounds close.
0: I grew up in Tuckawilla, Washington, most famously known for the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway, as my city was his dumping grounds for many years. It's about a 15-20 minute drive from downtown Seattle. Standing on my grandparents' porch, I could look north and see Seattle and then look south and see Mount Rainier. Oh, that's got to be pretty. Mm -hmm. My life has always had the paranormal in and out of it. I'm 34 and will be 35 on Christmas Eve. So I'm a Capricorn on the cusp with Sagittarius. I carry traits of both signs. Hey, me too, except for mine's Taurus Gemini. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I digress. I've been married for 10 years. I'm a barefoot walking, tree hugging, nature worshiping free spirit. Nature's path is the only one who's called me for as long as I can remember. Deep down in my soul, it's all I've ever known. My grandparents' house is where I experienced my first apparition ever and would experience my last. When I was really young, maybe five or younger, I was in my grandparents' house and while I was standing in the room looking into the hallway, I watched a man walk past the door. This would just be the beginning of my entire life of paranormal experiences. Years later, my grandma would tell me that in the 70s, she saw a girl of about 14 years of age walk through the house and out the door. They were the first owners of the brand new house when they bought it. My grandfather stayed with us until his battle with cancer and passed away in the house. On the last day I would ever step foot into this house at the age of 19, I was standing in the same bedroom, more like the doorway leading to the hallway. I was making sure I had grabbed everything I wanted. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something. I turned my head to see an apparition of my grandfather standing up from his armchair. Standing like he did, waiting for the TV to go to commercial. Whenever it came, he would turn and walk towards the backyard. I went running after him trying to figure out if I had really seen what I just saw. I searched the entire house, upstairs, downstairs, in the basement and the backyard. It was completely empty, and I was completely alone." The end. Ooh, right. Oh man, some spooky episodes, spooky experiences. Hell yeah! Thank you for sharing with us. Yes, thank you for sharing
1: with us. And next month, of course, is October, the spookiest of spookies. So if you got you got experiences and you've been holding out, email them to us. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay. Well, that concludes our listeners experience episode Mm -hmm. for the month of September. We are excited that you hung out with us. I hope you aren't scared too much. Or if you are, I don't know, know that we're here for you. (laughs) (laughs) So again, you can check out all our social medias. They're in the link tree below. Check us out on, in our, fa- I should say, check us out in our Facebook group. We've been doing a lot of fun things because mm-hmm. September was our anniversary month. So we did a special live. So if you haven't heard that yet, head over to the Facebook group and watch it. We did it on Jean Benet Ramsey.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot of cool posts, articles, memes, all kinds of cool shit in there. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And there'll be other fun stuff coming in, coming out in there. So just come hang
0: out. Because it's the spookster season. Yes. And again, check out our Patreon. If you're not a patron of the show, you should be because they get amazing special content, including some merch. They get special episodes. They get to see blooper reels. This episode tends to have bloopers in them because tara and i Mm -hmm. typically like hear one of your stories and then tangent and then it ends up in the blooper reel
1: (laughs) yeah and i will say basically how the live episode is minus us responding to comments of course is pretty much what our 5 and $10 people get mm-hmm. for their video episodes. So if you enjoyed that, that's, I know, like a huge perk. And then also, of course, if you're a $10 patron, you get a mug from us after a couple months of being in that tier and your own episode dedicated to you and you get to pick the topic.
0: Right, and we have several of those coming out soon, so yeah.
1: Those will be dropping. Those will be dropping soon.
0: Definitely. We'll see you Thursday for a Stabby Snippet. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye.